Welcome to the latest episode of Schneps Connects. Today, we have Laura Fox, who's Lyft's general manager for City Bike, where she oversees strategy, growth, operations, marketing, new product launches, and the local as well as community engagement and city partnerships. In recognition of her leadership in New York City, she was named to New York City Mayoral COVID Recovery Task Force. Laura is also a professor of MBA strategy at NYU Stern School of Business. Prior to joining Lyft, Laura led projects for urban mobility, technology, and cultural organizations. Outside of work, Laura lives in Brooklyn and is a startup mentor advisor on the board of Governor's Islands and BCG's alumni group and is on the leadership committee of LISC. Laura holds a BA from the University of Notre Dame and an MBA from New York University Stern School of Business. It's great to have you, Laura. Thanks for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> I went to, to Indiana here. University, not too far from Notre Dame. Oh, nice. Yeah, my brother went to Indiana. Um, so I got to visit on weekends. He's my twin. So we would trade right. off some weekends in South Bend versus Bloomington. I love it. I love it. Yeah, Bloomington's yeah. a beautiful city. The popularity of City Bike has soared during the pandemic. So how are you working to broaden its reach? We're doing a lot, you know, and at Lyft and City Bike, we really believe that everyone is a bike person and think that our ridership over the past few years really reflects that. And we're talking at a really exciting time for City Bike and that June is City Bike's best month ever with nearly 3.5 million rides. Um, And so that builds on last year's record-breaking ridership where over the course of last year, we had 28 million rides in total. um, Exceeding, yeah. (laughs) So really pretty incredible when you think about bike infrastructure, bike systems to be providing that kind of ridership. And at City Bike and Lyft, we think about, okay, if City Bike is a transportation network, which we deeply believe, and we compare that nationally to other transportation networks, where would City Bike fall? And City Bike would actually be the 25th largest transportation system in the United States, which has ridership higher than, say, SFBART in San Francisco, and nearly as many um, rides as the PATH train locally. And so, um, you know really speaks of one, let's get more people on transit, uh, but two, bike share systems and biking can really carry a lot of people throughout the city. It's so great um, to hear the record that just was made and that, you know, it's being used so much. Yeah, we're, we're currently at, you know, 110 to 120,000 rides a day. So right when you think about the volume of people that that's carrying. And then when we think about the overall reach of city bike, Again, looking back at last year, we had about 1.3 million uh, unique riders and about 800,000 of them were new. And so we're constantly looking to broaden city bikes reach in a couple different ways. So first through this, you know, geographic expansion that we're undertaking now, you know, Lyft took over the system in, in 2019, committed to investing $100 million to double the size of city bike. And we're about midway through that now. So really exciting. Second, making sure the system is available to all levels of income. So really extending and investing in the low-cost uh, bike share membership for income qualifying riders. So if you live in a NYCHA facility or a SNAP recipient, you can get City Bike for $5 a month. Makes what I call the best deal of transportation, which is the City yeah. Bike annual membership, even better. <laughs> and then third, really constantly as a you know part of a larger technology company, think through the kinds of software innovations in our app ecosystem, the ways that we reach people that can really nudge people to take, whether it's their first bike ride or to continue riding, um, exploring different parts of the city, using it for their commute and things like that. And so really excited about um, the ways that we've expanded uh, city bike reach over the years. 
that's terrific to hear that it's going to certain communities that really probably need it. Yeah, I grew up myself in a transportation desert on the south side of Chicago. And so the idea of, you know, as part of this larger expansion, growing city bikes reaching, going to places that have traditionally been transportation deserts, not only as a mission of bike share, but something that excites me personally as well. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, I live in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and, and it is heavily used, you know, great bike paths that interconnect neighborhoods. But for people that don't know much about using city bike, I'm sure a lot of people have walked past them, driven past them, uh, bike past them. Give an example of, you know, how people access them and, and the typical cost. Sure. So there's a lot of different ways that you can ride city bike. I would say, you know, one of the, you know, first through the app, right? So we have both a dedicated city bike app and we have the Lyft app. As I was mentioning in terms of net new riders that we're bringing into the system of the 800,000 new riders that we had last year, a third of them actually came through the Lyft app and were formerly rideshare only riders. And so when we think about kind of opening up and expanding the types of options that people are considering when they think about transportation and continuing to, you know, for people who are living car-free and taking a lift that they're also considering taking a city bike. So incredibly excited about that. We also have kiosks throughout the city. So you can take out a day pass through there. People who are members have a key. And so there's multiple different ways of accessing, accessing city bike. And as I was mentioning before, like we truly believe that the city bike annual membership is the best transportation deal in town, right? You're paying $185 to ride as many times as you want across, you know, a transportation network that includes 1600 stations. Um, It really delivers incredible value. And we see people taking advantage of that through the kinds of ridership patterns that um, they're seeing. A typical member will ride, you know, 30 times more, 50 times more than say a casual rider, someone who's not a rider. And so really delivers on some of those benefits. And then in addition to that, um, as I mentioned before, we have the $5 a month membership for income eligible groups like NYCHA and SNAP recipients, making sure that City Bike is accessible to you know, anyone in New York City is a big part of our mission. That's fantastic. I've also noticed a lot of newer bikes coming out and, and e-bikes as part of City Bike. I don't know if you can share a little bit about those. E-bikes have been, I think, a game changer when we think about transportation and cycling transportation in the city. A lot of those new riders who are coming to the system are taking their first ride on an e-bike. And so, you know, someone who formerly would have said, hey, I don't want to show up to work sweaty, (laughs) right? Or I don't want to, you know, I'm not able to go over that bridge, you know, or making that transition to cycling through this kind of new offer. And so we see e-bikes used for pretty different use cases, which is exciting. So longer trips. So an e-bike trip is on average about two miles versus, you know, 1.2 miles for a classic. 60% of our trips over bridges are made on an (laughs) e-bike. And, you know, an e-bike, in addition to that, in in the same way with, you know, a classic bike, you can go in a lot of different directions, connect to transit options that would have been hard to get to before and go places that otherwise it may have been easier to take a car because the connection to get to say, you know, a rapid bus network and express bus network would have been too far to get to. And we're seeing a lot of that in the kind of national based research on e-bikes too. Um, Some of the studies that have come out point to e-bikes replacing you know, of a hundred miles driven in a car, you buy an e-bike or you start using a bike share e-bike program and you're replacing about 70% of those miles. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it can really be a game changer when we think about reducing vehicles on the road, reducing congestion in New York City, 
and all those exciting things. And then for the new e-bike that you've seen rolling out, we're incredibly excited about that as a product. We've both made it easier to ride. We've added, you know, we've increased the battery capacity, nearly doubling it so that e-bikes are available more often. They can see more rides per day. We've added additional lights to it so that you have higher visibility at night. The bike itself is retroreflective paint, which I think is the coolest feature. It's like making safety sexy is one of the themes that we've talked about related to that, um, especially for New Yorkers who, you know, wear all black or biking at night, home from work. I'm wearing black right now. <laughs> You're more able to be seen on the street in the same way that a retroreflective signpost would show up very easily through a car's lights. And so excited about those kinds of changes because we know that kind of safety and the kinds of confidence from feeling safe um, is either the number one inhibitor or kind of, you know, driver of people choosing to bike in New York City. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, the city's laid down a lot of bike paths and you talked about your your plan for expansion. How do you think the city can be more ambitious about ensuring that biking and, and the bike share programs continue to grow in the five boroughs? Our relationship with New York City DOT is central and critical to the important role that City Bike plays in helping New Yorkers get around. And it has been since day one of the City Bike relationship. I think fun New York City anecdote, um, Janek Sadakhan, who is the former commissioner of uh, New York City DOT, was in London and got to see Boris bikes at the time. I was like, this is a phenomenal game changer when I think about how Londoners are getting around came back and out of the DOT, you know, started a bike share program, you know, source a vendor, helped on sponsorship. And so the kind of commitment to bringing more sustainable transportation to the city has been, you know, part of the lifeblood of New York City DOT. And so kind of coming out of that foundation, our public-private partnership has a number of foundational elements to make the program successful today and going into the future. And a couple of those are one, Station density. You mentioned you live in Williamsburg. <laughs> you know the traditional network is laid out so that um, you know you know more than say five minutes away from a city bike station. So that means when you're walking down a street, you'll probably see one around a corner or walk a, another couple blocks um, and see it nearby. And, and DOT really has, you know, had an incredible vision in setting out the specifics, the parameters of that network, and in expanding it across the city. And then second, the robust transit connection. So that network has specifically added density around transit hubs. And, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, these multimodal use cases of someone taking um, a city bike to a bus or to the subway. And we see that more than 90% of city bike riders use a bike to get to transit. And so are incredibly excited by that and aren't surprised in a way because the network facilitates exactly that kind of trip is meant to support that. And then the third element of this is, you know, public street infrastructure and bike lanes. So New York City has about 600 miles of protected bike lanes today. And Mayor Adams just recently committed to building out nearly a billion dollars worth of more protected bike lane infrastructure in the coming years. And I'm incredibly excited by that number because, wow, it's a big one. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, that's true. Yeah, it's terrific. But two, you know, it really opens up um, potential for additional federal funding to come into New York City to support bike lane infrastructures Mm -hmm. as well. You know, Chuck Schumer, you know, favorite New York (laughs) longtime senator, um, also a longtime bike rider. And I've been really excited to see a lot of his advocacy for 
some of these new infrastructure dollars, the U.S.'s largest infrastructure bill in decades, advocating for some of that to go to bike share. Um, well, not to bike share, sorry, to bike lanes. And so excited to see the ways in which, you know, additional protective bike lane infrastructure and expansion of city bike work. And you asked a little bit about the like more ambitious project. And, you know, I, I think already the dedication of a billion dollars, incredibly ambitious, the potential for following funding, incredibly ambitious. But I think that there's also additional, you know, parts of a toolkit that we can draw from when we look at what some of the largest cities in Europe over the past decade have done. And so they're, they're simple, right? You know, my background is in urban tech, urban innovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we think about what really makes changes, right, it's not, it's not complicated in some ways, right? You know, a lot of these cities in Europe have done restricted traffic zones and slower streets, um, put forward ample bike parking, done incentives for much smaller cars, much less cars. And those kinds of infrastructure changes can really have a big impact. And then, of course, something like congestion pricing can only support that kind of toolkit and being effective. Um, and we're really seeing that play out live in London right now. Yeah, it's always good to learn from others. There's no question. I guess one of the things that we're dealing with now, too, is that there's, in addition to e-bikes and city bike, there's a lot of mopeds, a lot of electric scooters, a lot of delivery services that are really competing for space in, in New York City. So how else do you think the public sector, as well as the private sector, could better partner to plan for and meet the needs of, of the city's future? Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of this growth is incredibly exciting, you know, in, in a lot yeah. of ways. And, you know, and city bike is, you know, one of the fastest growing transportation networks. Um, New York City DOT has actually mentioned that they, you know, anecdotally that they think that a kind of geographic expansion is one of the largest, you know, and fastest growing transportation networks in the history of New York. It's incredibly popular, right, serving 28 million people a year while only using less than, you know, 0.5% of street space, (laughs) right? And so when we think about the introduction and rise of micromobility and and biking in the city, it's a really great thing for the city in terms of moving people to and from places efficiently when we look at amount of people that can be moved in a bike lane versus a vehicle lane as well as reducing emissions. So for example, just switching from a regular car to an electric vehicle, you'd reduce emissions, hopefully 50%. It really depends on your electrical grid versus if you're switching to an e-bike or a bicycle, you're reducing your per trip emissions by 92 to 98%, right? And so when we think about the future of our cities and the you know kinds of things that we need to support to drive better economies uh, and reduce emissions, you know, Biking, micromobility are really integral to that. And we, you know, at City Bike, I, I don't think that we would have as successful of a system if it wasn't a dock-based system. That's really what's allowing us to build this kind of transportation network to create reliability, know that there will be, you know, a bike and dock available for you and, and thinking through that. And we have started in other markets like Chicago introducing more phone, like more modes basically to that dock-based system. So Chicago is doing a dock scooter pilot of about, you know, a thousand um, dock scooters within that system. And we're seeing more option for riders, keeping sidewalks clear and all of that. So I think really exciting and in general, really excited and hopeful for the continued build out of this protected bike lane network as, you know, a proven mechanism to draw even more people to this, you know, sustainable, economically great mode. And then, you know, to um, keep them safe while doing so. 
Yeah, no, that's great. I have to imagine that you've come to know the bike lanes of New York City pretty well and, <laughs> you know, places to so bike. Well. What could you recommend in terms of bike routes? Anything that you could tell people that, that is particularly special from your point of view? Yeah, I think most special for me is actually my daily commute. Um, I live in Clinton Hill in Brooklyn. I bike from Clinton Hill across, you know, near the Navy Yards, great protected bike lane infrastructure Mm -hmm. over the Manhattan Bridge and have established a route that, you know, protected bike lane infrastructure. I get some of the best views of New York City, like along the way. Um, And so it's a really great way to like start the day and end the day kind of mentally, kind of great views. Uh, Makes me always really proud to be a New Yorker now. But then for more leisure routes, there's so many, you know, lanes and so many bike lanes that connect you to some of the best lanes of New York City. And so some favorites for me include biking down the Brooklyn Greenway to Red Hook for a show at Pioneer Works, maybe some key lime pie, mm-hmm. um, and then over to Sunset Park's Chinatown for some fresh cold noodles, um, those great views from Sunset Park around Sunset. New York City is really an endless city of incredible culture, food, place. And, you know, for me, a bike is the best way to get there. Yeah, so true. And I, I love those uh, pieces of advice. I'm, I'm big into Chinese food, so... Sunset Park is like the new, you know, real main Chinatown of New York City, I feel now. Yeah, there's incredible diversity of street life and yeah, great community activity there. Well, listen, it's great to hear that, you know, one of the most basic methods of transportation, the bicycle is doing well and that Mm -hmm. so many people are actively using city bike. And I really appreciate you sharing, you know, what people should know and, and hopefully become riders. Yeah. Thank you. No, I'm so excited to be here to have this conversation and for more and more people to become cyclists. I think once you get on the, a bike for the first time, you can't help but become a passionate <laughs> advocate for cycling and how fast it gets you places to have more protected bike lanes and to really kind of be able to, you know, navigate and explore your city in totally different ways or just get to work faster. Right. Which is <laughs> another great benefit. <laughs> Yeah, sitting on traffic in the BQE is not fun. No. <laughs> thank you no, it's so not. much. I get, I get a rush when I cycle quickly past stalled traffic. <laughs> well, thank you again. And to listen to any of these podcasts, you can visit podcast.schnepsmedia.com or stream us on all major podcast networks. <laughs>